Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Beauty and the Beast on today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Well, Disney has put out another live-action remake of their animated uh, vault, I guess you could say, coming on the heels of The Jungle Book, Cinderella. Um, Is that it? That might be it. I'm not sure. But, yeah, so now we've got Beauty and the Beast, and it is uh, projected to do gangbusters at the box office. And I think I think that it will. I, I think that it will. I watched this Thursday evening on the preview night uh, at my local theater, and I well, let's see. I watched the animated version, uh, you know, as a kid, multiple times, uh, and I think the last time I remember seeing it, seeing that version of the movie was in two thousand and seven. So. You know, I was, that was almost, that was 10 years ago. And outside of that, you know, I've listened to the songs very often. Uh, you know, my favorite song from the movie is uh, Something There. Uh, but, I, but I like so many of the songs. I, I love the songs. It's such a beautiful soundtrack for this movie. And the, the notoriety of it being the first animated film to ever be nominated for best picture is 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 groundbreaking. It's truly amazing that that Beauty and the Beast had such a profound effect on so many people at in 1991. And yet at the same time, you know, I think that the the nature of this story, Beauty and the Beast is one that invokes conflict. Uh, you know, there's, you know, you can go back as far as King Kong, you know, Twas Beauty that slayed the beast. And there's always been this connection between um, disfigurement and beauty or um, something that is, a cl- is theoretically unlovable and finding love with something that everyone loves. And it's it's a very intriguing it's very compelling of of a premise and i think where this type of story struggles at a lot of the time is finding ways to create this relationship and these affections organically and the beauty and the beast story um doesn't exactly pull that off so so much you know it it's not as if Belle and the Beast meet on in a park somewhere and, you know, begin to hang out as friends. No, she offers herself up to replace her father uh, to be imprisoned at the Beast's castle. You know, like, it, it's a very, you know, it's, it's a very much forced relationship in a lot of ways. And... Now, I, I, again, I don't remember the specifics of the animated film, but in this movie, it felt to me like there was a much 
there was much more agency placed on the uh, the ha- the castle itself, and you know Lumiere and Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts. I think that you know, and I'd, I'd have to rewatch the animated version to know for sure, but it, it did feel as though this movie presented uh, the sort of relationship between Belle and the Beast as more of a as, as as like a third party that the the inhabitants of the castle sort of coaxing the two just to be around each other and to let themselves learn about each other whereas if i feel as though the animated film uh tended a little more toward the beast sort of trying to force this love to happen and i could be wrong i again like it's been quite some time since i'd seen the film uh it's sort of i think this film is able to play down the stockholm syndrome aspect uh that the animated film kind of falls into the trap of but i don't know i mean i i don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing one way or the other it, uh, you know it's it's such that I guess what I mean is that you know is writing the story with more of a reliance on her being forced by the beast a better writing than her being forced by the inhabitants of the castle I mean the beast and the inhabitants of the castle both have ulterior motives he wants to be a prince again all the things want to be human again you know they all want the same sort of thing and they're all driving toward the same goal and eventually bell learns that you know there's you know she doesn't learn the exact way to break the spell break the curse but she does begin to care for the well-being of the teapot of the candlestick of the beast and you know i i love the animated film incredibly so it's my second favorite film from 1991 second only to silence of the lambs and it is just it's a magnificently beautiful film with some of the best music and best performances and it's drawn so spectacularly the the scene in the in the ballroom of the two of them dancing together is is magnificent still to this day and this film tries to recreate all of the magic that was was reached and found in the original and that is kind of the problem that's the biggest issue that this movie has. And, uh, you know, Bill Condon, the director, did do a lot to try and uh, add more to this movie than the animated version. But the the beats and, and the general structure are effectively the exact same. And it, it, in no way do I... I don't feel that this movie improved upon anything other than uh the the general aesthetic and that's simply uh uh, due to the amount of time that's passed and the advancement in technology and uh, the improvement 
in costume design and, and that sort of thing. So, other than the aesthetics, I think that the film is largely a, a mirror image. And, and the big changes are the addition of more songs. And I had originally thought that they were adding part songs from the uh, Broadway play. However, they decided not to do that and actually opted to add in lost lyrics uh, for some of the f songs already. So uh, the mob song, there's a slight tweak in there. Uh, there's a couple extra lines in Gaston. And they kind of help uh, turn a couple of the characters into sort of more sympathetic, particularly LeFou. As well as uh, they wrote entirely new songs for this movie, which I loved. I thought I loved them. I Particularly Evermore, I think is fantastic. I, I thought it was great. Uh, it's performed by Dan Stevens. The Beast finally gets his own solo song, which they had apparently wanted to do in the animated version, but they couldn't really figure out a great way to do that uh, with the animation. So yeah, they, they were able to f put it in here. And, you know, Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, the entire cast can sing well. You know, they're not all classically trained performers uh, like like Audra McDonald um, but, or, or Josh Gad, but they're all very competent, and I never really felt pulled out of the movie by poor singing. Uh, so, for, for the most part, you know, I, I love this movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I went to see it with a friend, and, you know, we both were, like, singing parts of the songs as they were playing and laughing a lot, and, and everybody everybody seemed to enjoy it quite a lot. So I, on first impression, I thought it was fantastic, and I, I can't wait to download the soundtrack and put it on my phone. Uh, the question is, though, is it better or worse than the animated version. I think it's worse. I think that, uh, you know, I think simply by being, by the fact of it being a remake and not really rising above its, its uh, original hurts it. And then the second criteria thing I was looking at, well, how does it compare to The Jungle Book, the remake, or... Cinderella, the remake. And I think while I enjoyed it far more than I enjoyed Cinderella, I think that what Branagh did with Cinderella, you know, he, he removed the musical aspect of it and he sort of pinned it down into a particular aesthetic, a particular style that uh, felt genuinely grander than the original film. You know, the original film... When you rewatching re it back, it feels very tight. It feels very focused because you know it's a much it's a very long time ago. The animation wasn't as gr good as it was in the '90s or even especially now. And I think Brana opened that film up in a fantastic way, and it gives the film a much greater sense of presence of state of being. And so, while I did enjoy Beauty and the Beast more which is mostly due to the fact that it's a musical, I do think Cinderella from 2015 is a better film. Although Cinderella is 
just like Beauty and the Beast, not as good as its original. It, it's just... Cinderella was able to adapt its original a little bit more than Beauty and the Beast did. And then Jungle Book, I think, uh, is above both of them. I, you know, And it's the only one of the three where I have it rated higher than the original. I think that the, the, the visual effects in the Jungle Book are just stunning. And while it doesn't really commit to being a musical or not, which does kind of hamper its rating a little bit, I found it to just be picturesque, and I, I think it was darkly tragic and and very mature uh, for a, a kid's film, which I think Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella are both quite mature as well. But I think Jungle Book kind of takes it to a little bit of a higher level, and to be able to do that when all of the characters are like talking animals and, you know, it's it's the least, it's the most magically realist film of the three. It, it, it just, it, it's kind of, I don't know. I just, I, I think it was able to adapt the Jungle Book story in a way that transcended the original. So while Beauty and the Beast is ranked last out of these three live action remakes that we've gotten in the last three years I still thought it was fantastic I still loved it I thought it was I think it's really fun and I think it's a very good movie uh so as far as the characters go and the casting and the voices the standout for me was Ewan McGregor as Lumiere uh he he didn't get a ton of moments but uh he, well, I don't, maybe he's not the best. Uh, well, be our guest, the performance of that is just fabulous. And Ewan McGregor really knocks that out of the park. And he's really the only person in the movie affecting a French accent, which seems strange when the movie is supposed to take place in France. However, you know, you can kind of set that aside. He, the the be our guest scene is fantastic, and I think that Ewan McGregor, the only person that rivals him, I think, in performance is Gaston, uh, Luke Evans, which was crazy that, you know, he just, the original Gaston portrayal, he's a misogynist pig from frame one, whereas, yes, this... Gaston is misogynist. He's not a pig, really, uh, from from frame one. Or at least it's it's so muted and and wrapped up in his own self beauty that it doesn't feel as uh, disgusting and awful as it did in the animated version. And while by the end of it, yes, Gaston is a villain. Yes, he is uh, working against our main characters and our heroes. Yes, he is uh, evil, effectively. He has garnered some sympathy along the way. And you can really see... You can see the, his side of this story. And I think Luke Evans does a great job in that. Because I was really hesitant on Luke Evans. I was like, I don't think he's a big enough guy to play Gaston. And I don't really think, I never really thought he was a great actor, but he really surprised me. Um, staying on that side of things, uh, LeFou, played by Josh Gad, 
Uh, you know, he's about as good as he was in Frozen. Um, comic relief character for the most part. Uh, you know, a little bit of a, a much better drawn character than the animated version. And portrayed better, I think, uh, just a bit. Uh, so I, I liked Josh Gad. I think that the whole gay LeFou thing... He he seems to be gay in the in the movie. There's nothing like really overt that like proves it, as it seems to be claimed on the internet that he is. But uh, you know, it's nice enough. You know, there. I, I assume that the scene that most people are talking about that that is like trying to be cut in various countries. Uh, there's a scene toward the very end of the film, which I'm not going to give it away, but. I thought it was very much, it was fine. It's like two frames at best, and it doesn't really amount to too much. I was underwhelmed by that, and I don't think that it really affected the movie at all. Then you've got uh, Kevin Klein playing Belle's daughter, uh, and which was a shot. I, I didn't realize he was in this movie. But I'm glad he was. I think he plays this role wonderfully. Having just seen him in A Fish Called Wanda uh, earlier this month, I thought it was fan- I thought it was great. I think he's the weakest singer in the film. He doesn't. He only sings in like this one small song, sort of uh, refrain, really. But his his performance was fun. I, I thought it was good. He was funny. Uh, kind of rounding out the, ter- the the tertiary characters, you've got Audra McDonald as the wardrobe, which was terrifying. That wardrobe was awful. Uh, to go along with Lumiere, you have Gugu Mbatha-Raw uh, playing Lisette, I think is her name. Um, you're not going to be easy for me, are you? Uh, Plumette. Plumette, I'm sorry. You've got Gugum Mbatha-Raw playing Plumet, who I thought did fine, not didn't really stand out at all. Stanley Tucci played a piano uh, and the lover of Audra McDonald. Uh, I thought he was good. You know, he played his role fine, well. Ian McKellen is Cogsworth, was dry and fantastic. I thought he was great. Um, he... <laughs> I, I, he looked like he was having a lot of fun in this role. I, I really liked it. Then there's uh, Emma Thompson as Mrs. Potts, who I didn't even recognize. I, I I knew the voice in my head, but I could not place it until I saw the end credits. Or, or rather, until they, they transform. And I thought she was great. She She has a beautiful voice. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all of the characters that outside of the main two. So, Emma Watson as Belle, you know, she's beautiful. She is a very headstrong, she's, you know, known for playing Hermione, who is a very headstrong female character. Belle is equally a headstrong female character, but at no point was I ever comparing the two while watching this. I think she does a great job of separating Belle from Hermione in this movie and really sort of carving her own uh, 
identity into this character a bit. Uh, she, you know, her her love of books comes across, I think, much better in this than it did in the animated version. But I do think, you know, her singing's good. I don't think it's as good as uh, whoever did the voice in the animated version, which I guess I should look up, shouldn't I? One second. She, I think that the costumes for Belle, for the, Paige O'Hara, Paige O'Hara is the voice in the animated version. Comparing the costumes and, and how well she wears them, and I guess that has more to do with the costume design, but I think that, you know, most of, almost all the costumes are pulled directly from the animated film. I do think that the golden dress she wears in, in when they dance and at the end of the movie is better in the animated version, but it's still a spectacular garment in uh, the new the live action movie. I think the best thing she wears, and it's a shame she doesn't wear it more, uh, isn't in it longer, is the the red cloak that they wear, she wears during the Something There song. I, I wish she'd worn it more. I thought that was beautiful, really. And then Dan Stevens, uh, who's recently taken on the show Legion on FX as the Beast. Now, the first time I saw pictures of the Beast, I was very turned off. I thought he looked silly and like too soft and cuddly and, and not fearsome enough to like really be scary in his own right uh, without like adding any personality behind the look I think the beast should be scary looking you know that's kind of the whole point and I was very pleasantly surprised because the movie really doesn't pretty him up so much you know even at his best looking you know when they're dancing in the ballroom you can still kind of see the sort of scariness in his face and in the hair and in the tusks and horns I, I was actually a lot more pleased I don't think he looks as good as the animated version as far as the appearance goes like obviously the effects are far better but I think that the design is better in the animated version he's more hulking and he he the hair is grander and I, I appreciate that a lot more but Dan Stevens does a good job, and he, he has a nice voice. I thought, you know, like I said, Evermore, his song toward the end of the movie is is beautiful. And one I, I truly enjoyed. So, you know, I, again, like, I, there isn't a ton of bad things to say about it. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It doesn't even try to, like, paint the wheel a different color for the most part. Uh, it, it, you know, it adds a couple of more spokes on it, but for, but that's about it. So it's just kind of if 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 you won't be disappointed by you know I wouldn't say that it's just like rewatching the animated version because it's not it it is a different experience but it's a very very similar one. But I guess if you in if the first time if you can remember the first time you watched the animated film of Beauty and the Beast. If that was magical, and if you were transported, and if you felt 
you know, taken under the spell of that movie, I think this movie will have the same effect on you. I, I, I don't think that you'll come out of this movie thinking that it's better, but I do think you'll come out of this movie saying, yeah, they, they still, they hit the same beats. They knew exactly what we, what we liked about the first one. And they did that. And then they made it real. And I think that that's, that's the driving force in this movie. It's like, now it's real. And, and that's, that's a pretty good selling point. It's a pretty good selling point. So, whew, uh, all of that said and done, where does this film really rank in as far as this year's movies go? And I may surprise some of you with, with, with what I give it and how that relates to the other films I've seen this year. So, it is in my top five currently, uh, and I, I gave it a 77. Now, if you have a good memory and remember what I've rated other films that I've reviewed recently... John Wick at 90, Get Out at 85, Lego Batman at 79, Beauty and the Beast at 77, Logan at 75. Yes, 75. Uh, Which I think is the point of contention that many of you might feel. Uh, I've heard so many people giving such rave reviews to Logan. And don't get me wrong, I think it's a very good movie. But... You know, Logan and Beauty and the Beast suffer from very generic plots that we've seen before in a lot of other movies. And I think that the magic and enjoyment in Beauty and the Beast is just a little bit higher than the sort of wish fulfillment, finally seeing blood character payoff in Logan. Just a little bit, not a lot, just two points higher. So... You know, it, it's they're close, but I do give the edge to Beauty and the Beast. Uh, so, yeah, I you know I you know this isn't really a movie that I need to go into spoilers for because most of you have probably seen the animated version already, so you really know the plot going in, and there's not much more to talk about. You know, I've already mentioned my favorite scenes and. Uh, I would just say go see it. I, I think it's a good movie and I'm going to put out a statistics episode for it because the cast is huge and it uh, did make, did sh- sort of uh, shuffle around some things in the Circle of Film Awards nominations for this year. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, thanks for listening. If you have any interest in checking out more from this podcast uh, as well as the aforementioned Circle of Film Awards anything to do with the scavenger hunts that are ongoing uh, you can go to circleoffilm.com if you would like to send me any of your comments, concerns, questions or answers you can send those to circleoffilm at gmail.com again I am Ryan Thank you so much for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. Come on, baby, while we paint the town. And all that jazz. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love, one night.
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.